The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome to the Absolutely Not Podcast, where we do the most and the least at the same damn time. I'm your host, Heather McMahon. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Absolutely Not Podcast. I'm your host, Heather McMahon. Thank you for tuning in. Thanks for being here. I am very excited to bring in our next guest, the one and only iconic Jane Fonda. She and I have become good friends over the last couple of years, and I have really looked to her as a mentor. She's been a big influence in my life, telling me how to navigate the business, how to navigate being a boss bitch, really and truly. She's a Golden Globe winner, an Academy Award winner, a philanthropist, an author, a overall, I'm just going to say it, bad bitch in the biz and in life. I'm so honored that she is here. So ladies and gentlemen, please, without further ado, please welcome our next guest, Jane Fonda. Is that all your hair? No, this is all fake. Really? Jane, I did IVF two years ago because I have like no eggs and all of my hair fell out afterwards. And then you just said off camera that when you got cancer, the good thing about having cancer was you got this stunning curly hair. Right. My hair doesn't look good today. It looks great. No, 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 no. it doesn't. But when it looks good. Right. I'm so it's chemo hair. It's I, chemo hair. I had hair that was straighter. I don't know. I mean, like a mule's tail. <laughs> and now it's wavy, but it's just today is not my good hair day. Well, I think you look fabulous. Thank well, you for so wearing. So do you. Well, I thank like you. That it's hair. all fake, though. This is very expensive. Really? Yeah. This is the game we have to play. Yeah. I have a little bit of hair up top, but if I were to take out these extensions, it is the saddest ponytail you have ever seen. Okay. It's like a rat tail. You know, Um, Jane, I love and adore you. And I I don't need to build you up more than everybody who is going to listen to this podcast has been asking for you. You're an icon and a legend. I just found it so refreshing. We were doing a little event for GCAP a couple months ago. A year ago. A a year ago. But we were doing that little, um, the kickoff, if you will, the little rally, the kickoff rally towards the GCAP event. And I got to drive you home in the car, just me and you and Tina. And we were driving, I was driving you back to your hotel. And I find these like private moments with you to be so funny and refreshing. Really? And I think that's a sign that people <laughs> don't... Ne- usually what people say. No, I think that people don't she's, actually I see that. I love that. People say, oh, she's Jane Fonda. She's... <laughs> What was the first word besides refreshing? I don't know. I just she's refreshing. She's refreshing. But I what, would die for that. That's so good. In that quiet moment of us just driving oh around, listening to cocktail jazz in the car, I was like, I have to have you on my podcast, Jane, because I think you, oh. off the cuff, just having an honest A to B conversation uh-huh. is is something that my audience would just be overwhelmed by. Oh, good. I hope so. I, I am going to ask you a couple questions. Okay, Jane, I know this is about you today, but I have looked up to you for years. Can you you give me your first impression of me? What was your first impression when you met me? Sexy. Oh, okay. Thank you. That's why I was, I just found out that she's married and I was very surprised because she doesn't seem like somebody with a ball and chain around her neck. She seems like <laughs> a hot girl on the look. You know what Thank I mean? Thank you. Yeah. And no, you're a it, hot girl on the look these days. Are you done with dating or where are you at emotionally? Honey, I, the shop is closed, closed. due to flooding. <laughs> I feel that way. Like That's I, a quote from the vagina monologues. Mm. Yeah, it's kind of true. I'm done. I'm over. No, I'm 86 years old. Even in the pitch dark, I wouldn't want to be naked in front of anybody. Really? No. I mean, it is exhausting. I don't even take baths with my grandkids anymore. (laughs) So judge me. No, they would never judge. You never get over that. I never get over that, you know? I don't know what it is. I don't know how we've been brainwashed. We'll never get over that. I still, and I mean, I have a great partner in my life, but there are still so many days where it's such crippling insecurity. Like, especially now on the internet, my God, Jane, some of these people who come out and the way that they comment, it's like nobody can ever just comment on my comedy. They also have to then make comments about my physical appearance, which listen, the joke's on me. I can make the jokes all day long, but it is very jarring as a woman to constantly read those kind of things about yourself. Right. I was more thinking not about a a situation where someone would read about it, but like you're just with one person. Oh, oh, just a solo, (laughs) solo judgment. (laughs) The first time I went to bed with my first husband, Uh he's a French director. His name is Roger Vadim. Oh, 
Before me, he was married to Bridget Bardot. Oh, my gosh. And Catherine Deneuve. Uh-huh. So there you go. Tension, right? T- tension. So I, when I knew what was going to happen, I, I went, took the bedspread off the bed, went into the bathroom, got undressed, wrapped the bedspread around me, uh-huh. and didn't take it off. Wow. Because you felt insecure coming after those women? Yeah. Really? Yeah. You're stunning, Jane. I'm not, yeah. Oh, thank. No, but you don't. <laughs> anyway, you are. thank you. You I are. Don't wanna, I don't want to talk about it anymore. Okay. Okay. I gotcha. I, I see. But here's the truth. And I know okay. that most of the women that are watching this mm-hmm. and you, reality doesn't matter. Yeah. It's how you were treated when you were little that made you feel. If you were called a little fat girl. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> would you please tell Jane that? She shouldn't wear that bathing suit anymore. I mean, that's the kind of thing that always went on. My dad right. thought he was fat. I will always be fat no matter what. Really? Yeah, isn't that awful? I was definitely a chubby kid. and But it was interesting the way... I Have you ever heard this phrase called an almond mom? So my mom is an almond mom where she grew up in the generation where like when she was hungry, she just had an almond, you know? Oh, one of those. One of those. Yeah. But it's funny because it also, on the other end, I always say like, any producer could say anything to me. There's nothing that you could say to me that my own mother hasn't told me, right? Mm. But in a weird way, I was this chubby kid. I was a chubby young woman. But she would also then on the other end, like instill this confidence in me. I'll never forget. I was walking down homecoming court and my mom's on the front row and she's saying, suck it in and stick them out. And that would <laughs> cripple a lot of people. But I knew in that moment, my mom was like, you're tall. You got broad shoulders. Suck in that belly. Stick out that chest and let them know you're my kid. So in a oh. weird way, like it's kind of worked out. To give me confidence, I don't know. I might start crying in about ten minutes. <laughs> That's so beautiful. That's I'm so jealous. That's so great. But you is, know who else what? I'm jealous of? Who? Tell me. Lily, my bosom buddy, Lily Tomlin. Yeah. She told me that when she was four, her uh-huh. dad was a drinker. They okay. lived in Detroit, working class family. He would take her down to the corner bar, uh-huh. four years old, stand her up on the bar, and ask her to sing and dance. Because he loved her and admired her so much. He just thought she was the cat's meow for all his buddies to see. And I said to Lily, if my dad had done that to me, I would be a different person. Really? Oh, my God. Isn't that great? My parents definitely wanted me to perform all the time. I don't think at the time, like, they would just make me tap dance at cocktail parties. I had no dancing ability. It was just that they needed me to, like, entertain for a bit. They were so proud of you. They they were. So you felt like growing up, you didn't have that that encouragement behind you? No. I tried to get a job as a secretary. They Uh fired me. And so... I met Susan Strasberg, and she said, well, you should audition for my father. So I started studying with him, and that's why I became an actor, because I was fired as a secretary. Wait. I had to get a job of some kind. I had to get out of the house. You're she like, hated you're terrible me. at filing paperwork. <laughs> you can't answer the phone, so we're going to make you an absolute star. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And so Josh Logan found out that I was in acting school, and he was my godfather, and you know, he had he'd produced and directed Mr. Roberts with my uh-huh. dad. And I mean, he was a very popular, famous guy. So he did a screen test. My first screen test was with Warren Beatty. Really? <laughs> yes. I wish we could get it. I'd love to see it. Yeah, surely someone's got the tape somewhere. And just to show you how really smart and intuitive I was, I thought Warren Beatty was gay. Really? Okay. Yeah. I mean, his best friends were Tennessee Williams. Right, right. And he played piano. He would take me to piano bars. And yeah, he, a little gay I, was, I thought he was gay, mm-hmm. yeah. And just kind of fooling when he'd come on. I thought he was just trying to prove mm. that he was a guy. Really? Yeah. So you start in and you're getting success in the business. Did it change at all the dynamic between yourself and your father once you started getting success? Did he look at you in a different way, maybe? Like you had to prove something to prove? I don't know. I don't know. You don't know. He hated that I studied acting. Hey, I love my father. My father was a man of tremendous integrity. And, you know, whatever good I have in me came from him. Right. And I don't want to badmouth him. But I don't know. I know that he told other people that he thought I was talented. That's great. But, you know, if I ever did anything, he never spoke to me about Barbarella. Really? Anything I did that was so-called sexy, uh uh-uh. Mm. Not good. Not good. No, no. Okay. Yeah. He came from Omaha. It was Christian science. Right. I don't know. It's a certain generation, right? Yes, a total certain generation. But now it's so interesting. Like, I obviously adored you on Grace and Frankie, but you have this iconic friendship with Lily. You two together are just so 
I mean, you light up a screen. Were you friends before you started shooting that show? How well, did yeah, that process come together? Well, yeah, because I cast her in 9 to 5. Oh, that's right. Of course. Of course. I Originally, 9 to 5 was a more serious mm-hmm. project. A friend of mine, had, her job was organizing women office workers, and she told me, she would tell me stories about what secretaries had to you know, put up with and everything, and I said, I'm going to make a movie about that. And because in those days, I had no sense of humor. I, I saw it as kind of serious. Mm-hmm. And then while the script was being written, I, I, I heard that Lily Tomlin was in a play in downtown Los Angeles. And, you know, I never watched TV growing up. First of all, until I was about 12, there was no TV. Mm-hmm. I'm old. <laughs> and then I much preferred to be outside being a tomboy and climbing trees and stuff. So I didn't really watch. I never watched Laugh-In. I never right. watched. I'm watching them all now. But I didn't. I, I'd heard about Lily Tomlin, but I had never seen her so I saw this play called Appearing Nightly, where she played about, I think in that show, about 18 different people, old, young, boys, girls, men. I mean, it was... Her character work is insane. I was struck dumb. I had never seen anything like it. And I just, I loved her. And I said to myself, driving back, if I make a movie about secretaries, I'm not going to do it unless Lily Tomlin is in it. Right. Then wow. I turned on the radio. And it, two doors down, I'm drinking and laughing and having a Dolly Parton. Oh, my God. I thought, wow, she's never acted. Wouldn't she make a great secretary? You know, tap. She can't see her fingers mm-hmm. right. while with she's the, typing. Uh-huh, with the big boobs. Right. We didn't really need you to say that. I'm sorry. <laughs> it was a self-sufficient, right? right anyway. Right. But you, um <laughs> And and that's that's how it came about. And so we became Lily and I became friends then, and we stayed in touch in between. Mm-hmm. And then you know the showrunner Marta Kaufman came to me one day. It was one day. See, then I married Ted, and I was out of the business for ten years with him, and then another five years writing my memoirs. That was it. And I was sixty three. She said, "I want to do a series with you and Lily Tomlin." She'd heard that we wanted to work together. Right. I don't know. I mean, nobody said had said anything, but it was great. It worked out great. And then seven years in Lillian. I mean, she just today emailed me about hearing aids. She emailed you and, about which hearing reminds aids. me that I forgot to put my hearing aids in today. Yeah, we're trying. We can't get hearing aids that work. Is this is like a, a an epidemic ongoing ongoing uh, thing. ongoing problem? So who, yeah. whoever sees this, we need the hearing aid community well, to get their shit together. See, I had the kind that goes thing, and then it goes out and around the back of the ear. And uh-huh. my ears are small. I don't have enough real estate. Got it. And so every time I would take a mask off, mm-hmm. the hearing aids would, would pop fly out. across the room. Mm. So then now I, I then I got I forgot to put them in the kind that go in and you can easily pull them out. There's a new kind called Lyric that goes in and stays. Okay. So, so that's, that's what we need. We need the lyric. We have to, yeah, we have to. Need what the is it like when you're friends with all of these fabulous women? Do you guys email each other? Do you text? Do you phone call? Do you FaceTime? What is the girl group chat with all of these wonderful women that you have in your life? I hate the phone. You do? I, I kind of do too. I don't like to yeah. talk on the phone. Okay. See, I hate a text. I, I don't have time for a text. Well, I email more. Okay. But my But Lily texts. A mm. lot of my friends just text. But I don't chat. Okay. I'm not a chatter. Get right to the point. Whatever it is, get to it. So dinner at five on Tuesday. See you there. Yeah. Better see you there. Yeah. Okay. Is there anybody in your girl group? Like, I mean, you've, you shot recently 80 for Brady. You did book club one and two or any of these women. Mary Steinbergen. Yeah. I'm in love with. <laughs> Lily, I'm in love it? with. Uh-huh. Sally Field, I'm in love with. Dream. Yeah, so, yeah. So how often do you get to see each other? A, a lot. A lot? Not, Sally Sally travels a lot, but Lily pretty much, and Mary, yeah, Mary lives close. She's magical. Really? Oh, yeah. I mean, I got to be honest with you. I was watching Book Club 2 when y'all went to Italy, and I watched it just a couple weeks ago when I was flying back from Italy, and I was sitting on that plane crying my eyes out in a way where I just said, I hope that my female friendships that I have now are as strong when it was so we're your age. Yeah. I mean, it's just such a great movie, but it just these beautiful moments of these like female friendships. Yeah. And you're so great at telling those stories about female friendships because they're so important. I mean, at 86, if right. I didn't have female friends, I don't know. 
I don't know. And they're all younger than me. You know, I have no friends my age. Which you gave me that advice a while ago when I was talking to you about my mom, because my mom was in an interesting situation. She was 11 years older than my late father. And it's interesting when you become widowed because a lot of people don't want to invite you to things because they say- Single woman. Because it's a single woman. And they say, well, oh, it's a bunch of couples. We don't want her to feel bad. But then at the end of the day, my mom just gets left out of a ton of stuff with their old friends because it's all couples. And you gave me great advice. And I told my mom this. I said, mom, Jane said, get friends who are a lot younger than you. Yeah. And how, what do you think is the benefits of having Well, friends? when you die, there'll be somebody there. <laughs> <laughs> that is so true. That is so true. They can already plan the funeral. Yep. Yeah, uh-huh. exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, my kids will plan the funeral. Right. I've written out the script. Okay. And who I want invited and what the music should be. But I'm not controlling. No, right. <laughs> Will you give us a taste of the music? Like, I want to have a steel One of the dr- first songs I want played. Uh-huh. You know, it's interesting. I've been married three times. Mm-hmm. Every, I always know when a marriage is going to end sooner or later because I'm starting to fantasize about his funeral. <laughs> <laughs> You're okay. laughing, but it's absolutely <laughs> it's the truth. true. All right. And so I asked Ted, I said, what, what songs do you want at your funeral? And he said, that Western, country Western song, Where Do Cowboys Go When They Die? And it's a song about how they're buried, mm-hmm. and then the cow, or cremated, then the cow eats the grass, mm-hmm. and the grass is taken up into their, the grass that's growing out of the grave, uh-huh. and the cow eats it and poops it. Right. So cowboys end up as cow dung. I so thought, in, in that moment where you like, that. that's that, yeah, that's how I know sure. the relationship is not going to work no, out anymore. actually, what I thought is I want that at my... Oh, yeah. Okay, so we want uh, yeah. the song about the cowboys and the cow poop. Poop, yeah. Okay, first song. All right, great. Anyway, my whole point was I was... What was I talking about? We were talking about... Um, girlfriends. Girlfriends. And how you said that when they're younger, they, they'll be at your funeral for sure, which is great. Right. But the relationship of young girlfriends, what are the benefits of having younger well, women in your life? I don't even think... When I'm with my girlfriends, uh-huh. I don't think about that they're younger than me. That's true. I don't. Mm-hmm. We're all this, you know. We're it, all getting through this dumpster fire of life together, yeah. right? Hair loss affects over 80 million Americans, and it's so common that by 35, two-thirds of men will experience some form of hair loss. And it's not just men. 40% of Americans who experience hair loss are women. Hello, I am one of them. After I did all the IVF and all that jazz, my hair started falling out in chunks. And I couldn't believe it, and I was devastated, and I'm like, what am I going to do? I have tried a lot of things, but let me tell you, Divi is the real deal. Divi is good for those who have hair shedding or thinning due to stress, postpartum, menopause, and any other medical-related conditions. Scalps with a lot of product or oil buildup, anyone dealing with a dry scalp, those who wear tight hairstyles or extensions, anyone looking to start a healthy scalp routine. When lifestyle blogger Danny Austin went through an emotional hair loss journey, she took it upon herself to research and learn about the importance of and routines behind scalp health. Here are some of the key ingredients in Divi's first product, which is their scalp serum. I love it. I put it on all the time and it improves the appearance of breakage, nourishes hair follicles and removes product oil buildup. It's got copper tripeptide one. It's got caffeine, tea tree oil, and amino acids. The amino acids are key because they help strengthen hair, fight frizz, and reduce breakage for overall hair health. Hyaluronic acid, which nourishes and hydrates the scalp for a clean environment for healthy hair. I love Divi. I put the serum on my scalp, tingles a little bit, feels nice, feels refreshing, kind of wakes me up a bit. It's not greasy. And I go about my day, brush my hair, start my day, and my baby hairs on the side are growing in like weeds. And that is what I am here for. Do you want to take back control of your hair and scalp health? Well, do it with clean science-backed ingredients. Well, we have a special offer for my listeners. Go to DiviOfficial.com slash absolutely or enter absolutely at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's D-I-V-I-Official.com slash absolutely for 20% off your first order. I love AG1 so much that I added a joke about him in my new comedy special because I love him. I live for it. I love it. Live, laugh, love with my AG1. What is AG1? AG1 is the coolest damn nutritional support on the planet. With one scoop of AG1, it is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and probiotics and whole food sourced ingredients of high quality. They give me major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and even healthier looking skin 
hair and nails. Try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. AG1 is delivered to me every month, so it's been super easy to take as a daily habit. I have so much AG1 in my house because my husband orders it and I take it. When he's on his trips, he takes his bag of AG1. I have it at the house. I mean, I'm going to start giving this out for Christmas. AG1 has literally kept me on on the right side of the dirt, if you will. I don't know if I would have made it on tour if I wasn't taking my daily AG1. It is so, so important to just give yourself that immunity boost and to give yourself the gift of wellness. If you want to take ownership of your health, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to drinkag1.com slash absolutely. That's drinkag1.com slash absolutely. Check it out. You will thank me later. Again, that's drinkag1.com slash absolutely. Now back to the podcast. One thing that age related though that I do think is that I'm way older than them and I'm in a pretty good place. Yeah. I'm centered. I feel, you know, if I died tomorrow, it would be fine. Mm -hmm. I don't have any major traumas. I mean, you know, my kids can press buttons, but right. They, that's family. Yeah. That, that's a sign of a healthy life. And the younger ones, not so much. Mm-hmm. So that reinforces my understanding of how if you really, if you work at it, mm-hmm. that age is kind of great. I think if you're healthy, if you're healthy. Yes. And I think that's a beautiful thing. It is so interesting, too. And I mean. When I look at my mom's generation, I mean, she's turning 76 this year and she just powers through. She always says to me, Heather, the bad things that happen in life, they can either cripple you or they can encourage you to move in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And we don't give enough credit to an older generation who went through shit and knows how to pick themselves up and move on. I mean, I say all the time, I I have people around me, I'm like, guys, we can't be so soft on this. Like the show must go on, showbiz baby. And I think a lot of times this is a good refreshing thing for a lot of the young women who, who listen to my podcast to hear that your generation just, you pick yourself up from your bootstraps and you keep going. And I know that that's probably such a beautiful thing for your younger friends to see. I'm not sure I would phrase it the way you just did, because I don't know that it's my generation. I I don't think that everybody in my generation has done that. In order to get where I'm at at 86, Uh I've worked hard. Of course. Very intentionally Mm -hmm. to get where I am internally at this age. It didn't come easily. I come from a long line of... Yeah, yeah, you can say that. You can people curse whatever, you, say whatever people. you want. Uh huh. God bless them. They were wonderful. But so you put in the work. Did you I ever put, do therapy? I had therapy. Mm-hmm. I had. I have meditation. I have reading. I have writing, journaling, all those things. But I'll just try to do a real short version of this. When I turned fifty nine, mm-hmm. I was married to Ted Turner. Right. And I thought, oh my God, in a year I'm going to be sixty, and that'll be the beginning of my last act. 30 years, 30 years, 30 years. Uh I have no idea how I want to live my last 30 years. And I thought, oh, this is going to be terrible. Because, see, my dad died, took a long time to die, and I spent a lot of time with him. And I knew that he died with a lot of regrets. And Mm -hmm. that made me think, you know, it's not dying I'm scared of. I'm scared of getting to the end when it's too late to do anything and have those regrets. And have the regrets. And so right. and so at 59, I decided in order to know where I want to go for those last 30 years and how I want to end up, I have to figure out where I've been. Wow. That's prophetic. You know, I thought of, didn't want to be like Christopher Columbus, who didn't know where he was going right. when he left, didn't right. know where he was when he got there, and didn't know where he'd been when he got back. Right. I wanted to know. And so I did research and kind of figured it out. And then I started to be very intentional. You know, it, it's like intentional living. I want to get better. I want to be a better person. I want her to know that I love her. I want her, you know, just the things that you want to get done so you won't have the regrets. Wow. And it led to me being a pretty happy 86-year-old. That's beautiful. So, but, you know, but it's important to understand it didn't just happen. I worked yeah, you, at it. You, yeah, you worked at it and you put in the work. Right. I mean, it's so cool to see the work that you've done even in the last couple of years. And I just mean like the movies. I mean, you're a working gal. Nothing stops you. Do you find that you love to be super busy? Does art still fulfill you? Or you're like, I'm, I'm exhausted right now. I shouldn't be here. I don't get exhausted too much. I sleep nine hours every night. What's the day-to-day routine? Like walk me through from when you're getting up to when I you're keep going looking on at set. my assistant sitting. Yeah. 
Obviously. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to, I can't lie because she's right. sitting right there. Yeah. I go to bed early. I get up early and I get stuff done. We get stuff done. What's our coffee routine look like? I have one espresso in the morning. Nice. Okay. Yeah. And then you're on set. I mean, you you were a working gal. You work more than anybody in the biz, honestly. And I'm not just saying that. I mean, the way no. you crank out projects is unbelievable. Well, last year was unusual. Uh-huh. I made three and a half films, half because I did the voiceover for a Pixar film. Right. I don't think I ever did that at the height of my career. I, I don't really work that much. No, I don't work that much in film, mm-hmm. but I'm mostly doing climate activism, which is incredible, which I do. I mean, if it's I'm reading, I'm studying the science, I'm writing speeches. So in that sense, I'm working all the time. And that's what I enjoy. Also, since we're talking about activism, we were brought together because of GCAP. And mm-hmm. I hope it's OK if we, we discuss a little bit. Can you tell my audience what GCAP is? And, and and obviously I'm a Georgia girl, so this is a program that's near and dear to my heart. But why and how you got involved in GCAP and how beneficial it is to the young women and 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 young men of of Georgia. Thank you. It was 1994. I was married to Ted Turner. Mm-hmm. Georgia had the highest rate of adolescent pregnancy in the country, and I started studying that and what that meant in terms of the hundreds of millions of dollars it costs the state Mm -hmm. every year, what it does to the individual young person to have a child when they're young. It makes it so hard to take advantage of opportunities that come along. It's like a intergenerational transfer of poverty. I discovered that it was the highest rates of teen pregnancy occur where the highest rates of poverty are. So it's related to poverty. Why? Because when you're poor, you don't think much about the future. You think about survival. Friday night, right. <laughs> Saturday night. Yeah, survival. Middle-class kids know there's going to be a future and kind of can believe it when they're told that having a kid is going to make it harder for them to succeed in the future. Mm-hmm. Whereas if you're poor, it's something that's yours, that belongs to you, that will love you. You know, there's all kinds of, you'll become a more of an emancipated adult. There's a lot of reasons why poor young kids go ahead and have babies. I mean, why not? Anyway, so I was an ambassador to the UN Population Fund, and I went to conferences. And, and what I learned, what's being done internationally to keep young women and any women from having babies, and I tried to apply them, apply them in an organization here. And it includes giving them hope. Right. It includes helping them be ready to have a job. It includes educating them about their bodies and about sexuality education. Right. I learned that sexuality education doesn't lead to promiscuity. Mm -hmm. On the contrary. Oh. All things like that. So anyway, I brought that here and we started a statewide organization. And it was was really hard because that's Ralph Reed was major. Mm -hmm. He'd started the moral majority in Georgia. So all the school boards, the medical, the health departments— in every county, all those kind of things were taken over by extremely conservative people who who had completely wrong information and thought that sex education would lead to promiscuity. And I mean, it was just, it was really, really hard to get anything done. Right. Now, counties are begging us to come in and we, we don't work directly with kids. We train and hire trained professional people who teach teachers how to teach sexuality education. We have programs for boys. I think instilling, too, one of the greatest things that GCAP does, you instill confidence in young women to speak up for themselves, to well, understand. And boys. And boys as well. Everybody yeah. always thinks that, okay, we deal with teens, it must be girls. But, you know, boys, too many boys, especially poor boys of all races, they're kind of taught by society that if they knock up a lot of girls, they'll be real men. Right. And we have to disabuse them of that. So mm-hmm. there's, it's really important to work with boys to help them understand what manhood really needs. Right. You know, parents. Oh, yeah. That was very important to me because I didn't do a very good job with my own kids. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. To be an askable parent. And so we have a toolkit on our, you know, gcap.com. Uh-huh. We have a, a toolkit for parents, how to talk to your kids, how to be an askable parent. 
I went to a very uber conservative school here in Atlanta and I remember it it was called Greater Atlanta Christian School. And I remember I came home one day and I was having a frank conversation with my sister in the kitchen about what we had been taught. We barely even taught sex education. Okay. They just said, don't do it. Mm -hmm. If you touch a penis, your hand's going to light on fire and you're going to burn in hell. And I remember my father coming in and I had such a great relationship with my dad, but I remember him sitting me down. I was probably like 13. He's like, I'm going to explain to you what the real birds and the bees are. And I think that's why I had a healthy relationship with men moving forward because I understood how to respect myself. I understood how to advocate for myself, ask for things. He's like, this is bullshit. And it was your father who gave you that information. Yes. I mean, my mom still thinks I'm a virgin. So I mean, but it was, it was so important because my school taught me nothing, Mm -hmm. nothing. And I think that's so great that GCAP is going in there and they're saying, listen, we're going to educate the right people to go in and and, and talk to the youth directly because a lot of it is confidence. And when these kids feel confident in themselves, they can do anything. Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. And I mean, listen, I'm so grateful that you even let me be a part of GCAP. Oh, this thank is just, you. I'm so excited. Oh, that you're, I'm excited. We're going to. Wanda Sykes is, is, it's Thursday night yes, and Wanda Thursday Sykes night. is performing and then we're going to mix it up with Wanda Sykes. I can't wait. We're going to have a lot of fun. Um, But it's amazing. Like you raise millions of dollars for Georgia. And this is interesting. What makes you keep coming back to Georgia? I know you have such a connection. I lived here for 20 years. Right. You make friends. Right. Even me in 20 years. (laughs) I made girlfriends. Two of them are here. They are the best. (laughs) And, and, And if I'd stayed longer, you would have been my girlfriend. I mean, I have friends. They're all women. Mm hmm. No, I have some men friends too. Peter Conlon, for example. Ted. Ted. Ted is still my friend. Can I ask you a question? Ted's kids. How do you keep such a great relationship with an ex? You have a respectful relationship with all your exes. Here we go. Well, in the beginning, I wanted to kill him. As one does. Yes. I was so angry. Mm -hmm. And so what I did, and it's what I did with the other two before him. Right. (laughs) I write the letter that I want to really write him. Which I still have. I mean, don't send it. Right. (laughs) But you write it, and that helps. Okay. Get it all out on paper. That's right. Okay. Never show it to him. Mm -hmm. And then I was in therapy at the time, and she said, put a rubber band around your wrist, and when you feel the anger come up, snap it real hard. And it neurologically jars you into a new realm. It's really, we're old. My wrist was black and blue. I'd be going up <laughs> at the CNN center where he lived and I'd be snapping away. <laughs> like, oh don't do God. it. Just don't do it. <laughs> so I got through the anger stage. And then I remembered why I fell in love with him. Mm-hmm. And then his kids, see, I love his kids. Mm-hmm. There are five of them. And I don't stay in touch with all of them as much. I wish that they did, but some of them I'm really, really close to. Mm-hmm. So that encouraged me to, to stay with Ted and Ted and I communicate all the time. And I went fishing with him in June. So you're just out there fishing with your ex, living right. your best life. That is such a beautiful thing, but that's smart. Write it down and never let the letter see the light of day. Yeah. Cause you've gotten it off your chest. Did you, did you set it on fire? Or do you still have the letter somewhere in like a drawer? I have a file, but <laughs> when <laughs> letters to exes, then uh-huh. I have early letters to boyfriends and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I ha- when I know I'm about to go, uh-huh. I'm going to burn them all. Okay, smart. Smart. Or just let me read right. them just to sit around and have a glass of wine and get But earlier <laughs> husbands, I mean, like I had a daughter with my first, mm-hmm. and, and then I married my second, and I thought, Christmas is coming. If I don't invite my first to join me for Christmas, uh-huh. my daughter is not going to be with me. She'll go with him. And so in so order to avoid stay everybody together at Thanksgiving, you know, I would bring him in with his new girlfriend or his new wife or, and I did it with my second husband and it's now I am best friends with my second husband's wife. Really? Know. Yeah. And you're just in the kitchen making stuffing, just snapping that rubber band. For just like, don't lose it. Yeah. Don't lose your mind. But then I'm fine now. I mean, I, I could, you know, I. Now you're friends with them because <laughs> you remember why you loved them. Yeah. Yeah, that's beautiful. But that's smart. I love that you have, it's basically you have your own burn book, like from Mean Girls. You have your own burn book of all the things. And right before you pass, do one of these younger gal friends that you're with know to just set that shit on fire? No, it's my secretary, my, oh, my assistant who's sitting here. Yeah. We'll do that. We'll, we'll burn that. Yeah. I love that. I'm sure I have a lot of things I need to burn. So I'm just going to make I've, a mental note I've of that today. i burned most of the videos. So that's... <laughs>
You guys know I'm always on the lookout for ways to strengthen my immunity, the gut health, and improve my fitness and metabolism and enhance, hell, my skin and hair radiance. Well, I recently discovered an incredible product and brand called Armra Colostrum. I didn't even know what colostrum was. And then I started taking it and I said, wow, I'm zip, zap, zopping around. I kept seeing the ads on Instagram and you know, half the time you think this shit's bullshit and then they sent me a pack and I'm like, I see such a difference. Let me explain to you what colostrum is. Colostrum is the first nutrition we receive in life and contains all the essential nutrients our bodies need in order to thrive. Armor colostrum is a proprietary concentrate of bovine colostrum that harnesses over 400 living bioactive nutrients that rebuild the barriers of your body and fuel cellular health for a host of research-backed health benefits. That includes the strength and immunity, ignites your metabolism, anti-inflammation, fortifies gut health, activates hair growth and skin radiance, and even powers fitness performance and recovery. And that's not it. That's not all. It confers powerful anti-aging benefits. It is a premium bovine colostrum concentrate. And unlike any other product on the market, it is wholly naturally sustainable and was developed with the highest quality ingredients from start to finish. I have felt such a difference. I'm telling you, just try it. If you see the Instagram ads, I'm giving you a discount code here. So wait to order it through my podcast. But listen, we've worked out a special offer for my audience. Receive 15% off your first order. Go to tryamra.com slash absolutely not or enter absolutely not to get 15% off your first order. Let me spell that out for you. It's T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash absolutely not. You will feel better. Trust me. Believe it. Go to T-R-Y-A-R-M-R-A.com slash absolutely not. I should have my mom read these ads because she's so obsessed with Quince. I'm already obsessed with Quince, but now my mom is obsessed with Quince in a way that she asks me every day, Heather, what did you order from Quince? Heather, can you get me that 100% Mongolian cashmere sweater that's only $50 or the washable silk tops and dresses or the cotton sweaters and comfy pants on Quince? Quince is the shit. I'm just going to say it. I ordered a bunch of linen dresses last summer from Quince before they ever became a sponsor of the podcast. And people would stop me in the streets and say, how much was that dress? And I'm like, honey, it was $50. You're welcome. I honestly thought it was fake at first. I was like, there's no way that this is such high quality stuff. Robin has been shouting it from the rooftops of how much she loves her cashmere. 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters from literally $50. I love Quince because Quince partners directly with top factories. So they cut out the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to us. Get affordable luxury for everyone on your shopping list with Quince. Go to quince.com slash absolutely for free shipping on your order and at 365 day returns. We love that. We love that. There's nothing worse than you've been out of town. You come back. Oh, this doesn't fit. I need to exchange it. And time's up. Don't worry. With Quince, you have a 365 day return. That's Quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E.com slash absolutely. And to get free shipping and 365 day returns, Quince.com slash absolutely. Now back to the podcast. Can I tell you, Jane, when my parents, my dad died, my mom went to, I went to the um, safety deposit box with her and the amount of sex tapes that were in the safety deposit box of my parents that my mom casually threw in a bag and we took the stuff home and I didn't know what it was. And then I was going through and it was like, instead of X files, it was XX files. And I have not really recovered from that. I never saw them, thank God. But the amount of sex tapes that my parents made was an alarming amount. So I just, just felt I needed to share that with you. Yeah. Oh God. (laughs) So were they tapes of your parents getting it on? Yes. Or- yes, they were tapes. My dad was a big X-Files, the old TV show on Fox. That was his jam. So they try- they put it in like it was a VHS recording of that show, X-Files, but it was actually them having sex. And I have not recovered, nor have I ever said this publicly. So I'm glad you're here to be a part of this journey with me. You watched them. I did not watch them. No, 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 oh, no, no. I would have no. watched them. You would have watched them? I'll let you watch them. Oh. I can watch your sex tapes, but I couldn't watch my parents. Although I will say I had to go through my dad's laptop when he passed and I found his file of porn and it did make me have a new found even stronger respect for him because I was like, okay, it was normal. Nothing too weird, you know? I said, all right, I see him at another another level. What a (laughs) gift to be able to look at your parents' sex tapes. I I know, I know. I think my mom might still have them. I See, I never have a desire to make a sex tape. I I don't want to see myself have sex. You know what I mean? I'm just going to be worried about the the long tits jingling around. I don't have time for that. I don't want to watch that. 
You know? Oh, God. I mean, you said earlier you were wrapping up in a sheet to have sex because, you know, I just don't want to see it. I'm good. You know? Okay. Yeah. All right. So after Ted, Ted was your last husband? Yeah. And there'll never Never be be another another one. one. And did you date a lot after that or Mm -hmm. after? Okay. You, did you have any like long-term partners? Mm -hmm. And then eventually you said, all right, I'm good. I'm, I'm good being on my own. Pretty much. Yeah. I mean, along with my son saying, mom, are you crazy? Right. Right. You have such great girlfriends. You're out and about, you're doing things. Do you really want to, do you want to take care of another guy? That's that's not a care. I am not a caregiver. Mm. I mean, Mm. I like people to think I am, but I'm not. So it's you, me and your girlfriends that are watching. Don't Uh tell anybody. Yeah. That's the thing. It's like, and here's another thing. I'm ashamed uh to say this, but if I were to take a lover, he'd have to be 20. Really? Oh yeah. Now, why specifically? Because I don't like old skin. (laughs) (laughs) I don't. I'm right there with you. I'm doing everything I can to keep it fresh, but yeah, old skin. So my mom lies on the bumble. Says she's 65. She's actually 75. She's already lying, saying that she's younger because she doesn't want a guy. Said the guys her age either want the nurse or the purse. She's like, I don't want to take care of somebody. Like I don't want to do this. I want somebody to, you know, sweep me off my feet and take me on vacation. Yeah, old skin. And, and consequently, I don't want to foist that on anybody else. Mm-hmm. I assume other people are like me. I just don't like old skin. And so, you know, I disapprove of 86-year-old men with 20-year-old women. Right. And so I'm not going to repeat it. I mean, mm-hmm. I can oogle them, and I can't pretend that I don't get turned on if I see right. a certain kind of a person. But no, 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 I don't want to have to force that on anybody. We had a, we had a next— Because I've had old women try to do that, and mm. it's so—it's not pleasant. right. We had a next door neighbor whose husband, she raised all of the toilet bowls because, you know, as men get older, their balls drop. And so his balls, kept, her husband's balls kept getting wet. So she made the bowl super deep so that they wouldn't get wet anymore. And this is the kind, kind of conversations I get into with the ladies nine hole golf at my country club. They're like, just wait till you get older. These are the kind of things you have to deal with with these older men. So you're smart. Google at the young guys from afar, but have your best girlfriends around to keep you entertained. Yeah. What else is on on the list? What's on the vision board for you, Jane? What's next? I mean, obviously you're an activist. You're doing so much for climate change and with GCAP. But is there anything else that you like, you know, you want to do in the next couple of years? You know, honey, when you're my age, you'd, it's year by year. Mm-hmm. And I know next year, I know what practically every day is accounted for. We have a huge fight in California I mean, just real briefly, let me just tell you, whatever you want. We have fought for years. There are communities of, it's almost 3 million Californians live in communities where there, you look at your bedroom and there's an oil well. Wow. You're playing on the field. You know, you're a young boy and playing sports and all around the field are oil wells Mm -hmm. and you have nosebleeds that are so bad you have to sleep sitting up so you won't drown in your own blood and asthma and cancer and heart disease. And people have suffered for decades and decades. And we've tried to get governors to do something. Last year, Governor Newsom passed a bill that created a setback so new oil wells can't go in. A week later, the oil well companies, the oil companies, here we go, got a referendum on the ballot to overturn it. And they're planning to spend $200 million to overturn the bill that will protect 2.7 million Californians from the toxic fumes. I mean, one out of five people in the world die from air pollution, from toxic, from fossil fuel burning. And the oil companies just keep spending the money and getting the lobbyists. And our politicians keep permitting it. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be spending all next year working on this because it's on the ballot next a year from now. Wow. Okay. That's incredible. But see, this is, you're so educational to me. Like, you know, I mean, it's, it's seeing you do the work inspires me to do the work and how I can get involved. And I mean, you're passionate about it. It's no bullshit. Like you are out there. You're, you were on the front lines. I mean, hell, you've been arrested. How many times you get arrested in the last couple of years? I don't know. But see, if you, if you you don't know something, yeah, Yeah. if you don't know, you're uninformed, Mm -hmm. but you're not guilty. Right. Once you know. If you then turn away, then you're part of the problem. That's a great point. And I've never been able, once I know it's hard for me to turn away. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, I want to go to heaven for heaven's sake. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Yeah. 
I think you will, Jane. Are you kidding me? The work you've done? Yeah, I hear what you say. When you see it, if you turn away from it, then you're really putting your head in the sand. And whatever issue it is, Mm -hmm. if it's the war in Vietnam or climate change, if you really drill down in it Mm -hmm. and really understand it, you also understand misogyny, imperialism, Mm -hmm. oppression. I mean, you... Everything it is, is so layered. That's right. right. I mean, climate change wouldn't exist if there was no racism. Climate change wouldn't exist if there was no patriarchy. Because it's, it's happened because of a mindset that has alienated us from nature and created these hierarchies. Like certain people are at the top because they're white and male. And then nature is at the bottom. And, you know, and... Certain people don't matter as much as other people do, and nature doesn't matter at all. And you walk into a gorgeous forest and you say, oh, flooring, what beautiful flooring. This would make a lot of money off this, you know, that kind of thing. Right. It's, and still, I mean, these guys that run these oil companies, they know what they're doing. They know that they're killing us, and they keep doing it. Because they're making money. Yeah. Mm. So anyway. All right. So we're taking down the oil companies in California. Yeah. We're running GCAP, which is helping teach, educate, bring resources. Empower. Empower young men and women in the state of Georgia. And then we're also working just across the board on environmental issues to educate everybody on how to be a better person. It's like, I also feel... You know, you come into this world, we all have a responsibility to do our part. And some people are just so goddamn lazy. Well, I don't, I don't, I don't know if I would. Yeah. What we all need, uh-huh. every one of us, we need to feel that we matter. We need to feel that, that we have meaning. Mm-hmm. I mean, at one point or another, most people ask themselves, why am I here? True. You know? And to not be able to answer that is painful. Jane, I know why I'm here on this earth. And it is, it's a very simple answer for me. It's just to bring joy. Yeah, when I, I do you comedy, were to say that. Yes. When I, do, <laughs> when I do comedy, I mean, we're having a serious conversation, but when I do comedy, I just try and simplify it. Like if I get nervous before a show, I'm like, all I'm here to do tonight is to bring joy in whatever yeah. goofy, giggly way that is. Yeah. What brings you joy? What brings you joy in your life? Nature. Yeah. I'm the happiest at 14,000 feet. Yeah. I'm good where the air is thin and nature is very pure. It's beautiful. I grew up, because my early life wasn't so happy, I grew up loving nature. I was mm-hmm. always outside in the days when there was a lot of nature. It, everything wasn't so developed. There were only two billion people on the world, on the planet when I was born. And so there was a lot of nature for a young girl to explore, and that's brought me joy. Oh, let me tell you. Some days I just got to get out. Like I'm trying to do this thing early in the morning where I step my feet in the ground. It's, right? it's called grounding. And I'm just standing in the grass, looking towards the sun. Like you don't realize just how disconnected we've gotten That's right. from our roots. From the thing that allows us to live. Amen. I mean, look at the ocean. The ocean off Miami, 101 degrees Fahrenheit. Yeah, it's a, it's a jacuzzi. And they wonder why 200 whales found dead on the beaches of Australia. I mean, the ocean is dying. And guess what? The ocean is what gives us oxygen. Right. 70% of the oxygen that we survive with comes from the ocean. What happens when the ocean dies? Yeah. (laughs) And the forests are cut down. They give us the rest of the oxygen. It's a hot dumpster fire. Even dogs don't poop in their own kennel. What are we doing? Yeah. How can we, an average person listening to this podcast, how can anybody take a first initial step into making change. Is it looking in the mirror? The most simple first step is you got to vote, honey. You got to vote. Yes. It doesn't Amen. matter. You know, when we vote for somebody, we're not marrying them. Right. You're not, you know, you're not signing. A, you're not even dating. We can always them. get divorced. Don't yeah. forget. Right. Yeah. It's a pragmatic decision that you make. And right now, here's the choice: Would I rather try to pressure an ally who has shown to be pressure pressurable? Would I rather do that or bump up against a fascist? That's the choice. Yeah. 
And that's why every single one of us has to vote. So that's the first step. I mean, also, it would help to do a little research to find out. <laughs> do a light pe- Google search on what you're voting for. Yeah. yeah. I mean, do they take money from the fossil fuel industry? Do they take money from big pharma? Right. They're probably not going to come up with policies that are going to help us. So, so do some research. But yeah, voting, joining an organization. We have been so alienated from each other, too. We're all about individualism now. Mm-hmm. We used to be much more about the collective. You're right. You know? It was the all com- about a community. C- common good. Mm-hmm. And that's disappeared. It started with Reagan in the 80s. So becoming part of an organization, because another good thing that happens when you join an organization, you make new friends. You know, it's why AA is so great. If you're trying to <laughs> you're k- kick me. the booze, uh-huh. suddenly you meet a whole new group of people. Because it's hard to, st- Just- to stay sober if you're still with your old group that goes to the bar every night. So, you know, making new friends that have values that you need to you know, become familiar with joining an organization and staying up with the science, you know, read the reports that come out and stuff like that. I love that. You know, when it comes to keeping my pets safe and aesthetically cool, I love Fable Pets because you know what? They make everything. They have an amazing crate. If you're trying to recreate your dogs like I am, I'm starting from scratch and I need my dogs to sleep in a crate. So I get their sleek, minimal designed crate that Honestly, it can look like a bedside table. It's made with premium bent wood, and it has a garage-style gate that stores discreetly. It also has windows on all three sides. And the gate to balance generous airflow and light in a serene, den-like environment for your pet to recover from adventuring. The crate is a sophisticated and functional piece that you'll be proud to show off in your home. They also have a magic leash, which allows you to do a hands-free walking leash that can be worn as a belt, crossbody, or even a wrist strap. It's waterproof, mold spell-proof, and durable, and... Even better, easy to clean. They also just launched their signature harness. Shock-absorbing technology on the back connection point and a custom-fit harness with non-restrictive adjustable straps along the neck, chest, and along the front. They have toys. They have all sorts of things. They have durable, aesthetic home products, including beds, ceramic bowls, and more. So anything that your dog's into, they're going to have. So right now, exclusively for Absolutely Not listeners, Fable Pets is offering a 20% site-wide discount and up to 35% off sets. Visit fablepets.com slash absolutely for more information. That's www.fablepets.com. That's fablepets.com slash absolutely for up to 35% off at checkout. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Squarespace is an all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Whether you're just starting out or managing a growing brand, Squarespace makes it easy to create a beautiful website, engage with your audience, and sell anything from products to content to time, all in one place, all on your terms. Head to squarespace.com slash absolutely to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. I love Squarespace. I use it for my online presence, if you will, for my touring website. I sell my merch there. I love Squarespace because listen, some days when it comes to technology, you can feel like a ding dong. But when I go on the Squarespace website, they just have templates where you can plug in your own creative content into their already ready-made templates and have a beautiful online presence. Also, they have video collections where you can host all your video content. You can organize your video library. They do email campaigns. Also, you can have an online store and sell all your wares. They even have a cool point of sale. So if you're selling at a show, you can sell in person by connecting a square reader to the Squarespace app. Keep your orders, inventory, and customer data in sync with your online store. All you got to do is head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash absolutely to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Again, that is squarespace.com slash absolutely to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Now back to the podcast. When I joined my sorority, people had such a, I think a one-sided view of what sorority life was like. And I was like, I'm basically in this house with 200 badass women. We did service for sight. That was our philanthropy where we helped get reading materials and helped kids that had couldn't see, if you will, had a, a visible disabilities. And it was the most beautiful thing to like work with a group of women. We're all like-minded and people just have this one idea about that life. And I'm like, no, I, we did so much great work. Right. And I have sisters that I can call on for the rest of my right. life. No matter what it is. Yeah. No matter what time of night it is. I've got those girls that I can call. Yeah. And that's where human beings get joy from. Uh-huh. 
Yes. Working in groups with like-minded people who open your horizons and teach you things and you teach them things. I mean, that's where joy comes from in life, I think. When you were shooting um, Book Club 2 when you were in Italy, is there, did y'all ever have some wild nights out? Like, did you ever like take your top off in Venice? Where were we at? Because y'all look like you were having a great time. I was having my wedding in Italy it at that might. same time. But I don't know. I mean, you girls got crazy. In the movie, you got crazy. Did you ever go out and have it on a night off? Were y'all drinking in Tuscany, getting getting loose? Or <laughs> or what did y'all do? Well, I had cancer. I didn't okay. know it. Okay. So I, I didn't, I ate a lot and kept losing weight. I was so skinny when I came home. I, and I then tell I everybody. Out why. Oh, because it was the cancer or it was because the food is so fresh in Italy? A mixture of both. Well, I've eaten in Italy before and not gained weight when I didn't have cancer. And it's because it's so clean and fresh and they don't use butter. They use olive oil and so forth. This time it was because of cancer. <laughs> <laughs> the ultimate diet, cancer. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did we take our tops? No, I mean, I was in late 80s and they were all late 70s, but they weren't. No, Candy Bergen and Diane Keaton and Mary Steenburgen aren't the types to take their tops off. Okay. So it was a solo mission, just you. And it, and I certainly wasn't. I mean, you know, I've had mastectomies and lumpectomies and all that kind of stuff. No, no, no. I didn't even, I, I can't drink anymore because the next day I'm at half-mast and I worked every day. Right. So I can't, and my body aches when I drink. So what I would do is I would take long walks. Rome is a great place to walk. Great place to walk. So I would walk hours every day. And that's what I did. And it made me feel really, really good. I can't drink anymore either. I have one glass of wine and I, I haven't even been through a quarter of what you've been through, but I just, it just takes me out. I see so many. How so, old are you? I'm only 36, but I, I, I can't, I can't. I'm like, one to 36. Oh I, my God. Jane, I did I, my best drinking at 40. I, well, I'm, I'm hitting it, but I'm on the road. Like I can't yeah, do it. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Boy, when and stand the, up. I can't even imagine anything as hard as stand up. It is unhinged. There are days where I'm about to walk out on stage. And I'm like, this is the most insane idea to just get up in front of a bunch of strangers and then force them to love you and laugh. Like <laughs> I've got to be a little psychotic. I'm sure I need to start putting in the work, but that's an insane thing to do. Yeah. But the road beats me up. So everybody thinks that I go to these shows and I'm getting hammered before a show or going out and partying after. I'm like, no, I'm putting on compression socks, putting my feet up because I've been standing in heels for two hours. Okay, you know, well, you, we're like, we're like them. We're like them. See, I didn't know this about you. I, I thought you were a party girl, no matter what, no matter what. And I thought, well, that'll keep us from being friends. Right. So no. now I know we can be bosom buddies. We can be bosom yeah. buddies. Oh no, we can sit back. We can be in the same room. Just good. read a book. We don't even have to talk. We can just, my love language is massages. I get like three massages a week in not like a creepy way. I just love, that's how I treat myself. How do you treat yourself? What's your see, one beauty thing? I used to get thing? massages. I don't want her to see my body anymore. Okay. All right. So maybe just just a foot massage, or we don't even want. Here's to... another thing that you get when you've had cancer, and they right. don't. With it's the chemo that causes this, and they okay. don't tell you. And I know that I'm not the only. You get barnacles. What do you mean barnacle? Like a boat? Barnacles on a boat? Kind of like that, all over your body, and they don't. You know, they don't tell you. Oh, and by the way, your skin is going to go to hell. Okay. And you're bumping. You know, they don't. They don't warn you about any of it, but it's not good. But I know that that happens to other people too. And barnacles is maybe a little exaggeration, but it's kind of like that. Like a skin tag, just like yeah. a little extra little something. Yeah. A growth. Right. Had, anyway, had your beauty don't. routine, and I and I know this is a very like shallow vein question, but what's your beauty secrets? What are the, th do you have like a couple products that, that you put on every day that just make you feel glowing and stunning? What do you do? What do you use? I'm still trying to figure out if the things that cost a whole lot of money are really that much better than ponds. Right. Remember ponds? Um, my mom swears by olive oil. She just puts olive oil all over her skin and, and people stop her in the street and say she looks stunning. Ponds, olive oil, witch hazel, get back to the basics, you know? Maybe, yeah. Okay. I'm not quite there yet and I'll probably die without ever being there, but you got your skin from your mom. I mean, you have incredible Thank skin. You. And, I did. Yeah. But I got eczema. You've got barnacles. I've got eczema in places you shouldn't have eczema. Yeah, you know, I, I have it's eczema. That's another thing that comes from chemo. Oh, shit. Okay. Now we got eczema. Yeah, you're just itching. And people think that you've been like- Till you bleed. Yes, yes. Till you it's, bleed. It's brutal. Yeah. <laughs> I have I, to give myself a shot every two weeks to keep it from Like happening. a steroid shot. Yeah. Yes, because nobody understands when you're dealing with eczema, it is absolutely unbearable. It's like having poison ivy and there's nothing you can do. I could keep here all day and I know you- I've you're got getting so rid much, of me. She's no, 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 getting no. rid of me No, already. I would not get rid of you. I just know that you've been- I mean, I'm, I'm talking your ear off. I have a question. For the women who are listening- 
there's so many women that are running their businesses. They're the breadwinners in their family. They're running the show. What are some tips and tricks on how to be an iconic boss or how to be a boss, a female boss in the <laughs> workplace? Because you've done this your whole life. You've run the show. And I find it like wildly refreshing. I mean, I think you have to know what you need and be very clear. Mm -hmm. Were there ever times in the business when you were coming up that you felt like you weren't able to advocate for yourself? Yeah, like till I was about 60. Yeah. I know, I, you know, people say, did you ever, I get asked this question a lot. Mm -hmm. Did you resent the fact that for a long, most of your career, men and women would be paid totally differently? Mm -hmm. And my answer is always, first of all, I didn't know. I was always just grateful that somebody offered me a job. And mm -hmm. so I said yes far too often. That's why one of my favorite mantras is no is a complete sentence. I love that. Yeah, that's AA. No, AA. No. No further discussion. No. No. No is a complete sentence. Yes. Yeah. I learned that from Annie Lamott. So I, you know, anytime anybody offered me anything or went to go out with me or anything, it was, of course, yeah, because I was just so grateful. And this is true. I mean, I just. I never understood why I was being hired. And so I never paid any attention to what I was earning compared to what somebody else was You're earning. You're just grateful to be there. Now, I would, I would pay attention. Mm -hmm. But it took me a long time to learn, A, that I was worth it. And not just because I work for L'Oreal, but I, I realized that I'm worth it. Number two, I better find out what they're earning. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I yeah. Do, I, 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 do I the can, research. I can do the research and advocate for myself, but it took me into my 70s, I think. Which nobody, like, just, you know, knowing you for the last few years, I would never have thought that. And that is such a good lesson for people to hear. Advocate for yourself now. But it is. It's intimidating for, as women in business. It's intimidating for us to ask for what we want. Because remember, as a woman in business, if you're asking for what you want, they'll very quickly label you a bitch. Yeah. And that's it, such a bullshit double standard. And for most of my life, it never even occurred to us to ask Right. For, I mean, it, it just, it was the way it was. Yeah. You know, so that's an important, I mean, we have such a long way to go as women, but what an important sign of success that we realize, oh, I have a right to ask. For what I want. For what I, what I, well, I don't know, because maybe what you want is unreasonable, but for what you're worth. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Ask for what you're worth. Yeah. But you also have to be careful to not be unreasonable mm -hmm. and, and just because then you are stupid right? <laughs> and you just won't get. Listen, hired. I got somebody on my team who just keeps asking for a white limousine to be driven around from show to show. And I'm like, that's an that's an unreasonable ask. We love him and we keep him on the team. But damn it, it's actually surprisingly hard to find white limos these days. Jane, I love you. I'm so grateful that you've given me an hour of your time to come chit chat. I don't. Has think it been an hour? You yeah. have a way of making time go. Oh, please stop. I'm just here quickly. trying to absorb everything. I'm so excited that we get to, that I've been. I want to touch your beautiful yeah. oh, fingernails. Touch my nails. It's s, s Look at the difference. Yeah. You think that I'm some kind of a, somebody important, but look at the difference. You know what though? These are my real nails. Jane, well, but, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Look at my real yeah. nail. I know, but it's a complete mess. <laughs> this is going on three weeks too. It's SNS. &S. If you ever get the chance, do the powder dip. It's the best stuff. But thank you for your time. Thank you for being just a listen. I know this is who are your, who are your audiences? I mean, tell me who they are. Who my audiences are? They are they mostly well, women? It's a lot of women, a lot of gays, a lot of guys. It's interesting. The husbands have started to come to the show in droves because their wives, they say, quote unquote, force them to listen to my podcast. And then they end up having a great time. And then they're totally on board for everything we're doing here. So you're also <laughs> speaking to the guys. But it's people who are a little bit of a hot mess. They're on the hot mess express, but in a beautiful <laughs> way, because at, at this podcast, we're all, all willing to admit defeat and we're all willing to move forward in the right direction. And that's 90% of it, right? And defeat is the most important thing. Amen. You know, it's really true. You learn much more from your defeats. If you take the time and put in the effort to understand why you were defeated. Yes. And that includes divorces. Let me just be really honest with myself. How much did I have to do with why this didn't work kind of thing? You know what I mean? Right. It's not always pointing the finger at the other person. Right. I always tell my husband, I say, we're a partnership. 
like you have to kind of talk to men in business terms. I'm like, we're a partnership. If I'm out on the road working my ass off and doing these things and I come home and things aren't the way that they need to be, you know, that then we're not both holding up our end of the bargain. And when you think of it like that, sometimes in partner, you know, half these guys, you have to like talk to them, you know, on their level. And I'm like, well, we didn't get the sale done. We wouldn't have gotten the, the, the ball across the finish line because we're not both holding up our end of the, of, of the bargain. And that's, I feel like in a lot of relationships. That's it, so important. I never, I mean, my second husband thought it was bourgeois to have any kind of childcare mm -hmm. or house cleaning, mm -hmm. you know. And I lived in a house that I bought for $40,000, and we had no dishwasher, and we had no laundry machine. Right. I took my clothes to a laundromat, and and I did all the cooking. And I was those were the years that I made movies like China Syndrome and Coming Home. And, I mean, I made a lot of movies. So you're doing that. all these movies and then going home and doing the housekeeping and yes. child rearing and all of that. Yes. And I was very angry. Yeah. You become yes. resentful because you're like, I'm not getting any help. Right. And I, I think that I think a lot of guys now, though, especially the ones who listen to the podcast, they understand that it is a partnership. And and, you know, a lot of um, gender roles have, you know, reversed a little bit. But like my husband is not on the road the way I am. But he knows when I come home now, like, you know, just have shit put together. God damn it. You know, we're or not at least for a don't lot. have the dog poop still on the rug. Don't have the dog poop still on the rug. Do a, do a light sweep of the first floor for the dog poop. We're asking for so little. Truly, yes. we're asking for so little. Jane, I love you. Thank you <laughs> Thank for being you, here. I'm going to keep too. sharing with my audience more about the incredible work you're doing and how they can get involved. But you're just an icon and a legend. And thank, thank you. you for being so kind to me and for always giving me wisdom in the industry. And thank you for being here. Well, I hope we stay friends. We will. Absolutely, I'm very girl. grateful to you. We're for... going to the Turks and Caicos. I'm already planning it. Don't you worry. I've been twice. Oh, she's been twice. Excuse me. That's where <laughs> I learned how to scuba dive. Oh, well, there you go. When I bring you back on the podcast the next time, we, we, can, we can talk all about all your travels and then maybe we'll plan a trip. Okay. We'll do it. You and me, girl. Okay. Take it over the world. Thank you for being here. Thank you for everybody watching on YouTube and listening back at home. Thank and we'll you. see you on the next episode of the Absolutely Not Podcast. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate us, and leave a review. And as always, follow me on Instagram at Heather K. McMahon. See you guys soon. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.